0: Glad to be back up here again. This is the holy group. <laughs> Those 11, 15 people, pff, thanks for waking up and coming. These past three weeks, we've been studying in God's Word this matter of prayer. And um, Out of all the disciplines that are in this Christian walk is this matter of prayer, and yet it is the most important thing, and we seem to be not consistent in it. It is so important for us to be in His presence to learn more about who we are in Him. You know, I can read the Bible and have no problem doing it. I can read books about the Word of God, no problem doing that i can even serve in the church but if i'm not spending time in that secret place that we've been learning about what happens is you're missing the most important thing to have communion with the lord to know him in such a way that he begins to direct your paths otherwise we're just going through the motions if we're not praying and being in his presence when i begin to spend time with him Then when I read the word, he illumines the very words that I'm listening to when I'm speaking. It's faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you are in his presence and praying, when you read, then it becomes life to you. It becomes rhema. And that's what God is looking for in his church. Sometimes the problem is that we're not standing in the strength who we really are in Christ, as individuals. But I want to encourage us today. I'll be reading out of Romans and, uh, and opening up the book in Corinthians also. And I want to let us know who we are in the Beloved. Who are we? You see, when we came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we believed in what happened on the cross, that he shed his blood, and when he shed his blood, we then are become part of his family. The sins have been paid for, and you are changed. There's something that happens at the day that you are justified. You are changed. I want to tell you a little story about my niece, my granddaughter. Henley has been learning about salvation learning about baptism and everything like that. And she was sitting next to her mom in this class learning about salvation and things of that nature. And and when he said to her, you're going to be changed, she looked at her mom and said, Mom, will you recognize me when I come out of the water? (laughs) But do you see the... The truth behind it, that childlike faith, she said she'd be changed. She didn't know what was going to happen, but she was going to be changed. And that is how we have to see ourselves when we are justified by his blood. But sometimes we live as we're not even saved, that we haven't come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have fears and doubts. This morning, let's read this scripture here as I drop this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We're no longer enemies. We were at enmity with God prior to this coming to faith in him. Before this in the previous chapter in the fourth chapter of Romans it says this that when Abraham believed everything he said that he was going to do that he was going to make his descendants as numerous as the sands on the seashore and it says that when he believed in God it was reckoned unto him as righteousness there was nothing he had to do there was no nothing else that could be done cuz God did it for him God saw his faith and he says you are justified In Chronicles and in James, it speaks about Abraham again saying that he, not only was he justified by this faith, but he became a friend of God. We're no longer enemies, we're not separated from God, separated from the commonwealth of Israel we no longer without hope. God has given us this hope now that we are justified. But this next verse has been speaking to me for over a month now, and I'm overwhelmed by it. And that's what I want to share this morning out of this next verse here. Through whom, now remember, we've been justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we are justified with him. We are at peace with God. But then here it says this, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we celebrate in the hope of the glory of God. In whom he's speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This is who is going to bring us to this place of introduction. When this happens, And God sees that you have been justified. And his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has accomplished this work on the cross, he says this, you are going to have an introduction. We we had no access into this grace in which we stand. We were not able to get in there. We had to have an introducer, as it were. Because we were children of wrath. If you did not come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were children of wrath. And in the very end, you would be judged and you'd be separated from God for all of eternity. But God, in his mercy and his grace, called us. And when we responded by faith, he then comes in and justifies us. And then as we're justified, there's going to become an introduction. This word introduction is actually the word manuduction. I didn't even know what the word meant. Didn't go much college, so I had to look up the word. This manuduction is this. It is taking by the hand. Taking by the hand. You see what happens when Christ sees us that we've come to faith in him. You know what he says? This is Steve's paraphrase version of the Bible. This is what he says. He takes you by the hand and he says, come here, I want to show you something. And in my mind's eye when I read this, like I said, I've been doing this for a month, in my mind's eye is as if Christ takes me by the hand and brings me into this room and into this throne room of God where all the mercy and grace is, is in this room. And God shows us, let me introduce you to Grace. Let me introduce you to this very thing that calls you by grace you have been saved through faith. This is the grace I want to introduce you. This grace, this unmerited favor, undeserved favor of the Most High God. I'm overwhelmed at times to think that the creator of the universe would allow me to come into the throne room of this mighty God. There's no one like him, none. And when you come in there, This this grace or this unmerited favor just pours down on you and you've been changed. It's not given to us by debt. He didn't owe us this. It was by his mercy. His compassion, his kindness, and his delighting in you is where you stand. We are brought into the high favor of God. Isn't that amazing? The high favor of the Almighty. We're in his favor. Undeserved. In this next verse here in Ephesians, this is what it says here. You guys got to turn it for me. They're still sleeping. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Did you hear that word? He lavished it upon you. He didn't give you a trickle, but he lavished upon you. Overwhelming, overcoming everything that we ever needed, more than enough, he lavished it upon you. My niece, when she was a little girl, came to our house one time and she was eating dinner and then we were going to have dessert. And I think it was pudding or jello or something was on there. And she says, Uncle Steve, could you put some whipped cream on my pudding? I said, Yeah. So I got the can of Ready Whip and I just went to town. I think that thing was about nine inches of time. Her eyes were wide open. That, that is what God does. He lavishes it upon you. This favor overwhelms us, overwhelms us. You know, this grace that he speaks of is in the perfect tense. Perfect tense is not when you're just saved, but this grace goes on into eternity we need this grace how do you function without this grace you need it so that's why it's in the perfect tense he says forever you were in the favor of God forever I'm going to read something out of Ephesians it's not up on the screen In Ephesians 2 in the seventh verse it says this So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In the ages to come. That's why it's in the perfect tense. It's forever. We stand in the favor of God always. And this puts the icing on the cake. For you bless the righteous person, Lord. You surround them with favor as with a shield. You see, we were made righteous, as it says in Corinthians, that he covers us with the robe of righteousness. And now that we are righteous in Christ Jesus, he says he covers and surrounds you with favor as with a shield. Why does he use the word shield? Why doesn't he use it like he said about righteousness? He covers you with a robe of righteousness. Does he cover you with a robe of shield, a robe of favor, I mean? Or does he cover you with a cloud with this favor? The reason why he uses the word shield, the shield he's speaking of, first of all, is the shield that they used in the time of David. When David wrote the Psalm, this shield was a shield that covered from the top of their head to their feet. You see, we have an enemy, and he'll do anything, anything to rob you of who you are in Christ. Are you standing in the favor of God? Because see, the enemy will interject thoughts into your head, making you not believe the truth of who you are. But you are highly favored. So when we sin, I say when we sin because we know after we come to know Christ, we sin on occasion. So when we sin, the enemy comes, ha ha! You stepped out of the favor of God. That's a lie. You know why it's a lie? Because the word of God says, for whom he loves, he chastises. Right? So you're always in the favor. All we do is come to him and ask for forgiveness. And we we stay in the favor of God. There's nothing that separates us from that. The enemy will try to pull you out of that room of favor. Try to take you out of who you are in Christ Jesus. But here's the thing. You need to stand. As the enemy comes in, you hold the shield and say, I am highly favored of God. You can't take me out of the room. No matter what I do, I'm favored by him. And you speak back just like Jesus spoke to to the devil in the wilderness. He spoke the word of God. And that's where our victory lies, in him. surrounds us. Are you standing? My daughters, I have two, they're older now, they have their own families and everything. But when my daughters were little, until now, and I think forever, they are favored by me. See, God spoke to me many years ago and revealed his love for me through my own children. There is nothing I wouldn't do for my daughters, nothing. I love them more than I can, I I can't even express it. No matter what they did, even when they did wrong and they were disciplined by me, really disciplined by my wife, she's the... (laughs) But you see... Nothing changed. When they did something wrong, still my daughters. And yet God loves me more than I love my kids. I can understand it. If you know Christ Jesus, you are favored. Here's another thing that is unbelievable to me. Once I come to know this, I have confidence in the secret place. I have hope in the secret place. Because seeing that I'm favored, God hears my prayers. And I said this one time before. Even though we are favored... He always answers my prayer and sometimes the answer is no. But I'm favored because he's keeping me from something that I wanted and God said, you don't need that. In Christ... As we heard in the Bible, also, how he spoke through Gabriel to Mary and says, she, He addressed her and said, Oh, favored one. You know why? In the mind's eye of God, he was speaking into being that this Jesus was going to be birthed in her. That's why he calls you f- favored. If you, come, if you know Christ, guess who lives inside of you? You are favored because of who we are and who is living inside of us he loves his son and he loves his son inside you so i can say this because even in james as he says jesus said that abraham james says in that abraham once he believed god he became a friend of god you know we don't love all of our friends but we like being with them we like our friends we like them. So I say this. Jesus doesn't just love you. He likes you. It's a different meaning. You know, I hear Christians say, I know I got to love them because I'm supposed to because God's word says to, but I don't have to like them. There are people in our lives who are EGRs, extra grace required, right? <laughs> there are all those people. But God is different. He created everybody, even those people who are hard to live with. And he says, I like you. I like you. Because of my son, I like you. Now that we've come to know who we are and we stand in the favor of God, you and I have a purpose. God is wanting us to live in the purpose which he pre-planned for us. These works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If we were saved just to go to heaven, you know what God would say? Oh, he's saved, kill him, dead. He can come now, he's saved. That's not the truth because God has a purpose for me and you. Something that we need to do that is why it's important to be in that secret place because in the secret place he reveals to us who and what and where we are to be you know sometimes when i'm praying in the morning i actually look forward to it but sometimes i don't hear what i'm supposed to do for the day until i'm walking in the day and all of a sudden something happens and i hear god speak to say something to this person or to help somebody else or something of that nature because we need to hear from We need direction. That is that grace that goes on through eternity. It is the very grace that tells us who we are and what we are to do while we are, are on this earth. I've been praying these last weeks and I've shared it with my friend Anthony that God would give me the heart to love the lost, Not just to go and preach the gospel because I'm supposed to do it and go through the motions of this sharing the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I get it. I know that. But do I love these people like Christ loves them? Do I have that desire to come and speak the truth to them in such a way that I I love him and don't want to see him go to hell. It's a different story then. Now you're preaching something out of love, not something out of obligation. Not that you are mandated to do it, but now you see Christ and he is living his life through you and you love that one. So the other day I go to the gym and I was introduced to somebody by my friend Anthony. And I, this guy he talks to everybody in the gym. He's like Henry Kissinger. <laughs> but I, when I go, and I, I was in the gym, and I was praying that morning. And I, Anthony introduced me to this guy named Bob. Found out he was from New York. He lived about 15 minutes away from where I lived. And we started talking about how, where restaurants we ate at. Food is always important. And you go through this whole thing and talking about what we did and who we hung out with. We started to become friends, and then one day he came into the gym, and we're talking, chit-chatting it up, and he was ready to go, and I was going to go work out over here, and he was going to work over there. And he says, uh, I said to him, hey, Bob, I says, do you ever think about eternity? And boy, oh, boy, this conversation started, because I care for the guy. Nothing miraculous happened, but he began to talk about this faith of, I forget even how to pronounce it, the Baha'i religion, whatever, where he says, oh, and everybody loves everybody, and everybody believes in God, and everybody can have their own God. And he went on and on and on about it. And I let him talk, you know. And then at the very end, I said, you know, the God I believe in and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for my sins, and I shared the whole gospel with him, and then I says, here's the, here's the clincher. My God raised from the dead. I'm on his team. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, hmm, and he didn't have nothing else to say. But <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, he's, he oh, nice talking with you today, Steve. And then I thought, I thought after that, he would never come to me and talk to me again. But what ended up happening the next day, he came in. Hey, Steve, how are you? And it was OK. The seed was planted. Something will happen. God says his word won't return unto him void. And that something will happen in that person. He'll have a choice to make. But the truth was revealed. That's why it says in Titus in the second chapter, be zealous for good works. God gives us the zeal to do the things he asks us to do when we're in the secret place in our prayer. But as we're walking in this purpose, as we're moving on in the Lord Jesus Christ, God is doing something in us. He's refining us. He is now beginning to work and build up us our most holy faith, building our character, building us who he wants us to be that we would be more of the Lord Jesus Christ and less of us. Our faith is not faith until it is tried. Do we agree? Because you could say you have faith and everything's going on, and then the trial comes, and God sees where we stand. We're going to have trials in this life. It doesn't say if the rains come, it says when the rains come. And when the rains come, are you standing? Are you standing on sand or are you standing upon the rock? The greatest thing about this is that these trials, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the trials that come into your life are orchestrated by him. He knows how much heat it takes to burn the dross out of your life. He knows how much pressure is needed to make you that diamond. He knows exactly what to do. He knows how to grow you. In Hebrews it said it's not pleasant but sorrowful when we go through these trials. But in the end it yields the perfect peace of righteousness. To illustrate this further, I just want to share about Paul. He's going to be speaking in in 2 Corinthians. And he goes before them. He's realizing who he is in Christ. He's standing in the favor of God. And he says, I don't preach Paul but I preach Christ and him crucified. He says, he also said in the first chapters of this book, he says, I determined to know nothing except for Christ and him crucified. It's not all the glitz and glamor that we come with to try to share the gospel, but it's a very simple fact. The gospel is one thing, Christ and him crucified. Pretty simple message, yet it is the power of God that changes a person's life. We don't preach ourselves, we preach him. Let's read in uh, 2 Corinthians in the fourth chapter. For God who said light uh, shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. He speaks in this first part, he's speaking about in the beginning in Genesis. He spoke light into being. He was the one who spoke the light, and he says, Let there be light. And then it says this We had a dark heart, and now he shines in our heart and comes and lives in our heart. And now that light is in us because of Christ Jesus. We had to have that happen because our heart was darkened by sin, but now we are favored by the Lord. But we have this, this is my favorite verse, by the way, so here we go. But we have this treasure in earthen containers that the extraordinary greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. We are those earthen vessels, earthen containers, fragile, made out of pottery, easily broken, easily cracked, and he puts this treasure, this great treasure of his son, in these earthen vessels. If God and his son is so great, why isn't he not put in a, 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 a container of gold or of silder and, and have all these stones wrapped around it? Because he deserves the best, we would say. You see... We are just vessels holding that treasure inside. There's nothing in us that should attract people to know know the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the treasure that lives inside that is the most important. That's why we are these cheap earthenware, very little worth, very little value. But the treasure is extraordinary. This one commentator said a great thing. He said this. The Lord decided to put this treasure in everyday dishes and not China. Did you hear that? Everyday dishes. Us. Though we are fragile and easily broken, it's okay. There's a reason behind it, which we'll get to in a minute. When we're walking in this walk, we encounter various trials. Like I said before, maybe a loss of a job, maybe a divorce, loss of money, loss of a loved one. But remember, nothing, nothing comes in our life except it passes through the hand of God. But I want to say something. If there is sin in your life and you're living in that sin and you have the ramifications of that sin, that's not what I'm talking about. Even though God loves us so much, he'll take those things and turn it for good. He causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Even your sins, he will turn it around. That's who God is. He's a redeemer. He will redeem all the years the locusts have eaten. When you repent, God say, I'll use that as a testimony to where you were and to where you're going. That's a wonderful thing because I sin. I wanna know that I'm gonna be, that I'm redeemed and I keep, on standing in the favor of God. And when I stand in the favor of God, God does marvelous things. See, when these trials happen, they begin to put cracks and blemishes on your vessel. Do you find that in your own life? When I look at that, I see myself sometimes, you know, broken. I recently had a, an event. I went to the doctor for just a regular checkup. Never felt bad. But go to the gym, I feel, ooh, I'm good. He says, Steve, you got a mass in your neck I'm like wo begin i felt that crack in that vessel Now, i didn't know what it was of course my mind and every i think almost everybody goes to the thing of saying oh my is this cancer is it up against the thyroid cuz my mom had a thyroid problem and i begin to think and then the doc says yeah it is up against you. he says i'm going to take send you for a scan he says first i'll send you for an ultrasound and he says, yeah, it's there. And my concern is this, that it's up against this, this muscle. It's called the sternocleidomastoid muscle in your neck. And he says, I'm concerned about it. Now I go home and he says, and I'm going to have to send you for further tests. But all this time waiting and waiting and waiting, the Lord began to put this peace in me. You can ask my wife. I had this peace that passes all understanding. I says, Lord, if it is your will that I die, I die. I'll just be in your presence. But the thing was is that The waiting was killing me. But God was working patience in me that time. He was trying to show me something. And I thank the Lord that it was nothing. It was just a lipoma. Just a fatty thing growing on my neck. I could have been a star on Pimple Popper, Dr. Pimple Popper. (laughs) But, But in the midst of all this, we still stand serving the Lord, doing what he's called us to do. It doesn't matter the cracks and the blemishes that we have. We stand in this trial. The Lord strengthens us. He matures us and builds us up in our most holy faith. The outer man is decaying, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. It's okay that we decay. I'm old. I'm not a youth anymore. I see where I'm going. I wake up in the morning and make noises that I've never made before. (laughs) These are the things that happen. You get old. But my inner man is being renewed day by day. I'm beginning to see more and more of Christ in me. In myself, I see it. You know, the way we stand in the midst of a trial depends on how you stand in the favor of God. You still, you have to stand first in the favor. Know who you are in Christ. Hold the shield. Stand in the favor of God. When the trial comes, say, I know it came from your hand. You allowed this in my life. Even though he allows it in our, times, our lives, sometimes he uses the enemy like he used in Job's life. But I'll tell you this. The enemy is on a chain He can only go so far because he knows that the Lord has him, that chain around his neck, only go so far. Don't touch his life. Don't do this. He has to follow the rules because he is under the kingship of God himself. So when these things come in, stand. Stand with that shield against the enemy. Stand in that trial and God will change your life. Listen what it says here. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down and not destroyed. It is amazing that God has put that in us, that we would be able to stand. Everything always had, if you were perplexed, You're not this. And he he shows the positive side of it. When you're standing in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're different than the world. You know, the world has trials too. The world has calamity in their life. They lose children. They lose their jobs just like everything else. But we are in the favor of the almighty God, which is far beyond, far more than anything they can ever do in their own strength. You are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ we have difficulties but god delivers them out of all out of them all there's a reason for being broken and i'll close with this when you begin to develop cracks and chips the life that is in you The Lord Jesus Christ shines out of the cracks. Ain't that something? That this light comes out. If it was not broken, people would not see the Christ in you. You need to be broken. God uses broken vessels. And when he uses you in such a way, they don't see this crackpot. They see the Lord Jesus Christ. The light comes out. And they begin to see that it is in you, this treasure, And not only that is a treasure. But they're no longer looking at you as the person. They're seeing Christ. And then they see, oh my gosh, you've gone through this. And you're still proclaiming the truth of who Christ is. Then they begin. They want that that you have in you. They want in them. Are you cracked and broken? God will use you. That light will come out in such a way that people would be changed. Inside that broken vessel is that treasure. And the only way it comes out, it comes out through us being broken. So I say this morning are you standing? Are you standing in the favor of God? Do you know that God loves you? Matter of fact, He likes you. Because that's how you are be, be victorious when the trials come. You stand here so that you can stand here in the trial. I I'm overwhelmed of God's goodness that He took us broken vessels and puts this treasure inside. That's something. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for calling us. Thank you, Lord, for doing all that you do. Thank you for allowing us to suffer for your sake, Lord, that you would be seen by the world. So, Lord, I pray today that you would work in us in such a way that we would desire to be in the secret place, that we would desire to see you more clearly, Lord, that the world would see you through us, through these cracked vessels these broken vessels, that you allow these trials in our lives just for that reason, because you care for us, Lord. So we pray all this in Christ's name.